Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Truth Hurts. Today, we're going to be talking about the shooting in Atlanta, but more importantly, alcoholism. Because alcoholism is the underlying white horse or white elephant, rather, in the room in this discussion about that incident in Atlanta with the gentleman that was shot in the back. Alcoholism, for me, and I think I might have gone into this on one other podcast, but I didn't dedicate a whole podcast to alcoholism. And I think it's very important because it's it's not understood, and I didn't understand it until a few years ago. So alcoholism, I think to most people, is like, all right, it's an issue, it's maybe a disease, but I think the way most people view it, if you don't have the problem, is that certain people are just assholes, and they drink too much, and they shouldn't drink that much because they turn into mean people or assholes or whatever, and just stop drinking, right? Just like, just stop. Like, stop being an asshole, right? And those people who dealt with alcoholics know the depth of this disease and how much it destroys a person in relationships and how it alters the spirit, like, almost. Like, I, I would say it alters the personality, but it alters the spirit. If, you, if you've ever dealt with an alcoholic, you you feel as if you've dealt with two different spirits at certain times. But most people, if you don't have an intimate relationship with an alcoholic or somebody in your close family, or you never even really studied it, you might have just wrote the behavior off as, you know, just an asshole who drinks too much. So for me, in this case in Atlanta, and I'm going to detail it in a second, but I just want to give a a brief history of my experience with alcoholism and why I feel, um, you know, I'm somewhat qualified to, to speak on this. So the first person in my life who was an alcoholic was my father. And I've spoken about my father on this podcast a lot and, you know, his, his, all his education and then his professional struggles in terms of, you know, getting to the top and how he dealt with that was running away in alcohol. One of the common denominators in every alcoholic that was close to me was that they had some emotional issue, pain from the past. We all got something and they would deal with it through alcohol. They would hide from their problem. Like a lot of people find different ways to hide from their problems, but they would hide from their problems through alcohol. And that's when you would see these two personalities. So my father would, would drink and he would come home sometimes drunk. Sometimes he'd be regular. When he was regular, I think that he changed and everything is going to be good. And then he would, uh, you know, be drunk again another day and, and he would just turn into a tyrant. He would just be mean and just mean spirited and say mean things and just really become annoying too. like you couldn't even avoid him. And that's one of the first things I picked up about alcoholics like they want attention because like when I since young, I noticed like I could like feel people when 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 I didn't feel something I like, I would just leave. Like I would just kind of mind my business. But he would actually come after me and like pick at me. And I'm like, wow, this guy's an asshole. So the second person that I noticed in my life was an alcoholic was my good friend. And he was my best friend. He passed away a few years ago uh, from pancreatitis at 36 years old. And what I noticed with him, same thing. He had this uh, deep uh, pain. You know, we all got family issues and different things like that. But how he dealt with the pain since young was alcohol. And when we were in college together, like literally he would pass out. And like I had to like literally carry him home numerous times as we got older uh, there were some close deaths in our, uh, our life, like friends that we grew up with. Uh, I noticed he started to drink more to the point where basically people in the neighborhood would see him at the liquor store early in the morning. 
he would, and you started to notice he would be drunk. When he was drunk, he would be more angry. And the point is, just like with my father on these first two, when you would address it, they would be, become very defensive or dismissive. It was never really like they would address it and address the behaviors that they did while they were on alcohol. It was a few times with my friend, like we got into some shit. And then the next day I'm like, I'm not even fucking with this guy anymore. And he would call me like, everything's okay. And I'd be like, bro, do you know what you did yesterday? And he would actually get upset with me. It's like, why am I attacking him? And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Uh, another person real quick with just another friend who I would say is the most highly functioning alcoholic, but still has this, this behavior of, uh, erratic. Well, he's not as erratic. I have to be honest. His personality is warped. His mind is warped. His reasoning is warped and accountability is not there. So no matter what he does, when you get upset with him, he won't be mad at you forever either, but he just wants forgiveness and wants to move on. Doesn't want to accept that he's done something really crazy. So I've had experiences with all these people. So now over the years with these experiences, you know, as they did this, I just wrote them off as assholes at different times. And I didn't really understand alcoholism until I had a relationship. I never dated somebody who was like a full alcoholic. And I dated this woman and she was an alcoholic and it was the same behavior. So now only because I, I really love this woman did, did I really start to study what this is because she said i'm an alcoholic uh one thing with me i always said don't own things like that like say i'm not an alcoholic and just get the help and then don't own that but um that's what they taught her in aaa which i think is like a cult because i think that those type of places want you to stay on it but that's a whole nother story but she admitted this so i started to study alcoholism and what i studied wasn't good everybody pretty much said run those people are just selfish and they'll blame you for everything and they'll destroy your life as they destroy theirs I saw some of that. I saw when she would become drunk, she would be very mean and just say horrible things. And then just, you know, like when she wasn't drunk, we'd be so happy and just like almost like lovebirds just in utopia. And then it would go from that to hell. And for me, that was like, I've never been in a relationship like that. Usually I would cut a person off really fast if I saw something like that. But there was something about this woman that I really loved. But that alcoholism was so bad that it made me leave probably the only woman that I've ever been in love with. So that's when I'm like, wait a second, this alcoholism is a serious thing. So we know some of the symptoms, we know accountability, you can look them up, the narcissistic personality, the, the lying, uh, just the bad behavior, just a bunch of just bad things that these people do. But one of the things is like becoming victims and not taking accountability for their reckless behavior. And I guess, in the other experiences, I didn't know the depth that a person would go to off alcohol until this one day that was pretty much the end of our relationship. Uh, you know, not on that day, but after, after like a couple months after this, I just kind of sent her a really, really bad message and just uh, we, you know, we had to move on. But on this day, she was coming up to see me. I was in New York and she was talking on the phone and I could tell she'd been drinking. Long story short, um, we're kind of off and off the phone. She's, I'm trying to like guide her. I can tell she's in that mood. Four or five hours later, she's still not here. It only takes a few hours to get to New York where she's from. I'm like, what's going on? Um, and I finally talked to her like one last time at like six, uh, maybe, about, maybe about five or 6 p.m. 
And the next time I was talking to somebody, I was talking to a cop. A cop had found her by a gas station with her head slumped over the wheel of her Lexus, basically passed out after she had just finished driving on the highway, bumping into rails, cars, people. People were calling the police on her. And that's how that cop found her at the um, at the gas station. The cop calls me. And this is maybe by this time, it's maybe eight or nine or something like that. And two weeks before that, she had just been arrested for DUI. This was on her own. I had nothing to do with this. She had just been arrested for DUI. And being that she was a teacher, she, you know, had a long career already. I was worried she was going to lose her job. I start begging the police officer to let her go. Like, she's a teacher, she's a good person, please, this and that, this and that, this and that. I don't know where this officer was from. He, he happened to actually be a young black guy. And uh, this is, the, like I said, the other side that we have to think about even in this Atlanta story. And when you hear the end of this, you're going to be like, you're going to be shocked. So this guy allows me to call an Uber for her. Now, he, I can tell he's arguing with her. She's like talking back and she's not shutting up. I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to tell her to shut up. He lets me call an Uber for, the, for, for my girlfriend, put her in the Uber and take her home. So now this has been a rough day. Uh, the Uber comes 20 minutes later. It's an African lady that comes. She takes my girlfriend home. I'm like, oh, God, that was so crazy, so close. And I, at that time, I just remember thinking, like, this person is probably never going to get it. Like, how could you, you know, risk your job and your son and your whole life for this? And this is what we have to understand. This alcoholism, it has to get to the, to the national stage of an issue because I believe it's behind so much destruction in this country. So she goes home. I'm relaxing now. Like, hey, that was that was close. At least I got her home. And then I was feeling like, you know, I'm the man who who convinces a cop to do something like this. Right. I'm so clever. That's what I'm thinking. Thirty minutes late, I get a call. Hey, baby, I'm coming to see you. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, how are you come? I said, what are you talking? Are you not upstairs? She said, no. Long story short. She takes she when she gets home, she bribes the Uber driver. Uh, to give him like a hundred dollars, give her give her a hundred dollars or something to take her back to her car because the cop let her park the car there, right, and go home, right, and and come back in the morning. Now this is something that I would have liked to have seen with this gentleman the other night. Like, do you really like the guy's like mourning his mother? You know, the last thing he needs is jail. Like, just take his keys from him. Like, I would take the keys as well. I think that's the one thing this cop didn't do. I would take the keys. And, you know, say you got to call a cab or whatever, and you come to the precinct and get the keys. We're just voucher it as like a misorderly conduct or something like that. I would just probably park the car there, take the keys and say, you got to go home and then come get your car in the morning. Come get your keys and then get the car in the morning. But this cop was so cool, he actually let her keep the keys. Or maybe he just wasn't even thinking, he let her keep the keys. And I think, I don't think anybody would have guessed that she would actually try to come back and get the vehicle while still intoxicated and almost going to jail. Like, mind you, the cop had, or she, and she was nervous on the phone. She thought, like, she was going to go to jail. So I'm like, yo, babe, what are you doing? You're crazy. Stop this. You're going to, like, you're going to end up killing yourself or somebody. Long story short, she bribed the person to come back, the driver to come back to the car. She goes back to the car. 
she's so drunk she didn't even have all the money on her so the uber driver like tries to block her car and she rams her car outside of the the uber driver crushes the uber driver's car and gets on the road and starts driving and that's when she calls me after we speak and i'm like i start getting dressed like i gotta like do something else she's crazy uh maybe about an hour something later i get another call and this time it's an ems person same situation she had just crashed into a bus a bus full of 24 people a charter bus <sighs> unbelievable right reckless person right <sighs> unbelievable and thank god nobody was hurt she was you know a little banged up but she was all right and she's talking to these people and i'm still trying to help her and i'm like just shut the f up and just let me talk and just i said are they arresting you i said just get out of there like and at this point i'm like you're gonna go to jail like now you're gonna go to jail and the only thing i could think of was that cop who just let her go because i'm like now you're putting this guy who actually did some cool cop shit which is rare right you're putting his job in danger because he came in contact with you should have arrested you let you go home and then you came back got your car and went and put more people in danger so, so i want everybody to absorb this right now just to see the psychosis that's probably involved in the deterioration of the brain that's probably involved with alcoholism it's probably so much more serious than we've been led on to believe and i've seen it firsthand like i said this is my father best friend and girlfriend three intimate relationships so now she does all this long story short with that they basically um they she goes to the hospital and the cops are kind of at the hospital whatever so I'm like, I, I, I drive a few hours to, to get her. I get to the hospital. You know, I'm really good at this stuff. I, I talk to the doctor. I get her out of there. And I'm like, you know, everything's everything. And nurse her back to safe, uh, health for a couple of days. Didn't tell her parents. Didn't tell anybody. And this is why I said, this is where I was just, you know, I, I realized in that situation I'm an enabler and I'm not as good as I think. Because, you know, I'm not going to lie. The way I was raised, uh, seeing my mother and grandmother specifically, it's like a mob-like kind of loyalty where if you're on my side, I'll get on you, but like, I'm always going to save you from society's punishment. And I know that's not right, but it's just like, I, uh, I, it's just the way I feel. And so if you're my nephew, if you're my brother, sister, somebody, you know, girlfriend, best friend, it's like, we're protected and I'm going to protect you with everything I have. And I learned in that moment that as noble as I may think that is, there are just times where people need punishment. See me, I don't, I'm not saying I don't need punishment, but like <laughs> close calls, I understand. And I appreciate when God <laughs> kind of doesn't let me get the full punishment of my close call. And I usually stop the behavior or at least mitigate it. And I learned that some people you can't do this with. So long story short, get her out the hospital. That's the end of our relationship. But I learned something in that moment. Think about that story and think about what happened to this gentleman the other night, because I think the missing piece of this, right, is that his behavior it seems crazy right yeah the cops could have just let it go they could have just let him sleep it off right they could have done a lot of things but they decided to arrest him which they have the right to right so he didn't want to get arrested nobody wants to get arrested but there's an element the alcohol it's, it's the element that's not being talked about enough because in my opinion Looking at this guy's life, who he is, he didn't seem like a really bad dude. Just the way he was dealing with the police. He was there, I remember he was mourning his mother, going to the grave site. So he's just there, like, he's just in a, he didn't seem like a bad guy. But he seemed like he's an alcoholic. 
And I know just losing your mother, because I lost my mother at 32 years old, that you can fall into those things. Now, me, I remember when I lost my mother, first thing I said is don't get on drugs and alcohol. I said, no matter what happens, if I can just continue to eat right, drink water, work out, if I survive this period, I, I, I can survive. And, I, and God, God blessed me and helped me survive. But he looks like he was on the alcohol. So they come, they stop him, they're talking to him. Everything is cool until they want to arrest him and, and he, 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 something snaps. What that reminded me of was that night with my girlfriend and how it was like Jekyll and Hyde. Like when that last cop came, she was, she was begging and crying. And then once she got off, she turned right back almost immediately into this belligerent maniac. And then she went back to being, um, you know, uh, a victim when the cop came again. So it was like victim, maniac, victim, maniac. When it was time for punishment, she never understood her punishment. So I find her a lawyer, right? One of the best lawyers in the, in, in, in the, in the, in the state. We go there, we're talking. The lawyer is actually just a, a cool guy. He tells her, like, you know, most people don't get one in, in your life. You have two now. This is serious. You need to. He really more. He's, he knew he could beat the case. Once you get the best lawyer, you're going to beat the case. But he knew he could beat the case. He was more like, you need to stop this before you kill yourself. And I remember leaving that meeting. And even after the two drunk driving arrests, even after almost killing people that night, even after getting that cop in trouble, like the cop. I don't think he got in trouble, but he ended up coming to her job to give her tickets to cover his ass. The Uber lady lost her job. My Uber account was suspended. Like she, she just caused so much damage. And just at any point, what made me so furious with her, it was just no accountability. It was like she just didn't do anything. It was like, do you understand that a, a young African-American cop almost lost his job? So you could keep your job just trying to help you with like a, a societal action that many people like myself would appreciate and did appreciate do you understand that and i don't know in their minds because i'm not an alcoholic if she understood it all i know is from the outside looking in to this day i don't think she's ever really given a shit my father's dead i don't think he ever gave a shit my friend that passed i don't think he ever gave a shit my other friend, i don't think any alcoholic i've ever met ever really gave a shit now they all were decent people in the heart so I'm like, wow, this thing has turned. This alcohol has turned seemingly good people. My friend was so clever and smart. My father was a genius. My girlfriend, when she was good, she was a kind-hearted person. It's turned them into monsters. So we really need to uh, think this out. But let's finish up uh, by just kind of playing out the rest of that situation in Atlanta. So when they try to arrest him, something snaps. And when I saw him snap, that to me is like that alcohol. Something just, it's like, there's just no rationale. Just like that story I just told you. There's no logic of like, what, where do you expect this to go? Like, I know you don't want to get arrested for, for DWI, but you're going to leave your car there. They have your license already. So even if you get away with the stun gun, you're going to jail. What's the, like, this is just not a good time. Like, even maybe if they just initially pulled you over, maybe you thought you could outrun them in the car. But at this point, what good could have come from, from fighting that arrest at that point? Nothing. They already know who you are. So that tells you, once again, it's illogical. It's the alcohol that has taken over his brain. His, he's going through his own pain. He's already frustrated. This whole world is going crazy now anyway. Everybody's kind of on edge. 
and something just snapped and he just started to run. So now when he runs and he turns with the taser, I think that's another just action of alcohol just in his mind. And this is what I remember with my father, my friend and my girlfriend. It was like a demon was after them. They would always talk like somebody's like trying to get them. And it's like and they blame anybody who's trying to make them pay for what they've done. So. This um, this cop, excuse me, this gentleman in my mind, once everything triggered and, and he went from being nice to them to like when they said he has to go to jail. I think something triggered in his mind, like these people are trying to hurt me now and I got to get away. And that's why he turned and fired the thing. So now in terms of them shooting him, still unacceptable, man. <laughs> you already have his license. He's running from you. You know, I don't think he's going to go tase people and carjack them. He's going to probably go somewhere, cry, realize he's an asshole and end up in jail in a couple of days. So shooting him in the back, I don't agree with. I think it was a, a split second decision of, you know, anger, embarrassment. You know, let's be real. To me, just like if you lose your post, right, you're holding your post and somebody comes and takes over your post. Right. You can't let that happen. You got to get off my post, man. So to a cop, I guess, being uh, not only assaulted, but I think more important than even being assaulted is um, having somebody take something from you. I'm sure that that's probably looked at amongst cops like some embarrassing shit. You can't even come back into the precinct until you get your shit back. Like you let a fucking perp take your fucking uh, taser or gun like that's probably super embarrassing. So I think a little bit of that probably came in the officer's mind. It's a black guy. He's probably slightly faster. um, And he just shot him which I think is still wrong. And, you know, I think he needs to pay for that because like I said, these are tough interactions, but I know cops don't sometimes want to go through this, but it's like kind of the job you signed up for. You're trying to take people to jail. Like this, you seemingly have to understand that some people are going to give resistance to this. And that's when things might get a little difficult. And sometimes you may have to shoot somebody, but other times it's like, you're just going to have to run a little bit, call for backup. You're going to have to work a little harder because the goal is just to get this person off the street. At that time, the goal is to get him off the street. You got to think about the bigger picture. Even him going to jail and punishment for it, like like what I'm telling you, um, I've seen people almost lose their jobs and everything. That doesn't really change them. This alcoholism is a disease. So guys, uh, this is not to get into like too much into that case. I think, like I said, the cops are still wrong, but I want people to focus on something I think they're missing. Because I think, you know, people going to make it a black and white or cop uh, civilian issue, which it is still. Because, like, honestly, I don't think other people would have been shot like that. But I think an underlying issue, which is uh, a big problem in America, is alcoholism. And I don't think we fully understand it. I think we need to talk more about it. We need to look more at the studies of the brain and the deterioration of the brain, the psychosis, the different mental disorders that occur, why people are getting on alcohol. Can we get better programs for people on alcohol? Should we stop selling it everywhere at, our, at our, our sports games and venues? And should it be on every corner? Should we like limit the consumption of alcohol maybe? Should we identify the, the type of personalities or genes that are not receptive to alcohol? Because clearly there's some type of individual that, because uh, most people get, you know, they get drunk and they can just deal with it or they turn a little whatever, a little tipsy. And then there are these alcoholics, these people that have this, uh, obsession with just drinking after more drinking. It's never enough. They always have it from the morning to the noon to the night. Can we identify that gene? Can we help these people? We need to help these alcoholics. Uh, most of them that I've met, they've been good people, but they become so toxic. You can't even be around them. 
and I've had to sever relationships with some with basically four people that I love to death. So guys, bring alcoholism as an issue to the forefront. The truth hurts. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it here. I just want to set an email address for you guys in case you want to get in contact with any comments, suggestions, feedback, positive or negative. Anything that's not gross or disrespectful is more than welcome here at the podcast because we just want to push progress and think forward. That email address is podcast at gmail.com. Once again, podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's T-T-H-B-L-K podcast at gmail.com. Basically, it's the truth hurts, but lies kills uh, podcast, and it's just abbreviated. So the whole title of the podcast is abbreviated, uh, put into six different letters, followed by the word podcast as one long word, right? T-T-H-B-L-K podcast at gmail.com. Please get in contact. Don't hesitate. Anything you can think of, suggestions, other podcasts, anything that you feel is relevant, trust me, we will look at it, we will engage, and uh, we will push the agenda forward. Thanks a lot, guys.